Welcome back, friends. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, joining myself and Lou. Hey, Lou, how are you? Very good. How are we doing this morning? Good, good. Hope we don't have any glitches today. Yeah, we had a little struggle with, with our first attempt at this episode, but so, so I'm looking forward to this. I got teased yeah, a little yeah. bit when we tried it yesterday. Yeah, and, and the reason Lou is saying this is yesterday we had some glitches and we had to reschedule, and I had built this verse up so much, these two verses <laughs> that are coming up, uh, that Lou is excited to I am. get yeah. started. Very much so, yes. So just so you know, um, uh, as I was saying yesterday, that this verse, these verses, really intrigued me a lot as I was studying them and will probably intrigue you also. But in order to get your maximum benefit from this, you really should look at verse 26 and verse 27. And I believe that is uh, episode 49 and, and uh, episode 49. If you could yes. go back to episode 49, you'd be fine. And then today's is episode 50, which is uh, verses 27 and 28. Um, and the reason it's important is that you should understand the concept of yagna. Yagna in the Gita is a fire worship that is symbolic of what we all do. And I don't want to go through the whole thing again because we spent a lot of time discussing this in uh, uh in chapter, in verse uh, 26. Yeah, and so I don't want to do that yep, again. Yep, yep. Sorry? Episode 49. Episode 49 and 50. Yep, yep. Um, so, uh, episode 49. So, but the key is that in this symbolic thing, what there's a fire, this much you should remember, is, and, and everybody in the community comes and puts whatever they can into it, whether it's butter or, or, or flour or wheat, anything that will burn. And when they put it, nobody counts to say how many, who put how much, but when, the, when you put the offering into the fire, the fire shoots up. And that is known as the appreciation by the recipient of what the offering is that the person who donated it um, offered to the fire. Right. And basically that suggests that all of us, we live for service and for sacrifice. And that when we offer something, it is known in Sanskrit as an ahuti, the ahuti makes the flames shoot up, which means that there's a benefit to the recipient of your seva and sacrifice, of your service and sacrifice. So all of this is saying that you should um, offer some service and offer some sacrifice. And you may that's point number one. You may say, why should I do that? What's the benefit to me? I have worked hard to accumulate this money that I have, to all these clothes that I have, all this, all these things that I have. I don't want to do any service or sacrifice. I'm happy as is. So that's the second point, which is to say, well, by doing that, what happens? And you get peace of mind. You get peace of mind. And so why should you care for if you have peace of mind or not? You care because right now you don't even know, I don't even know what it feels like to have a mind that is completely still. Yeah. One may be sitting down in one place and close your eyes and say, okay, my mind is still. No, only your body is still. I can promise you that almost all of you listening, including myself, if you sit there and close your eyes, your mind is racing into a thousand places at one time. 
those who have their mind under control, their desires under control, by doing this kind of yagna, by doing seva, uh, service, and sacrifice, they get their desires under control and their mind becomes much more controlled. So, and, and so what? So what happens if your mind is under control? What happens is you develop peace of mind. When your mind becomes peaceful, when you are working, whatever you're doing, by having a peaceful mind, you can concentrate better. And a quiet, peaceful mind allows you to concentrate. Therefore, you're more productive, you're more successful in whatever you do, and you therefore gain more prosperity, material and otherwise. And also, you burn your vasanas, you burn your desires. You may find that very surprising, but it's true that once you have a desire or a vasana, by doing something like this, those, desire, those desires burn off. They, they become less. And you feel much better. You may say, well, my only desire in life is to accumulate more money, to become more successful, more powerful, more famous, more all of those things. And I can guarantee you that when your mind is more peaceful and you put this into effect, that becomes possible. It's a, it's a vicious cycle. You may think that it doesn't work, but by doing sacrifice, yeah. by doing this kind of thing, you become more successful. Did I, uh, Lou, anything that you want to ask or add to this? Yeah, because what's robbing your peace of mind are these desires, correct? We've talked about this in the past. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. You, you reminded me that people should recognize. I'm never, I've never smoked a cigarette. I don't know what it is. But when I was growing up, everybody around me was smoking in India. And I remember looking at my uncles or others smoking. And when they had to stop smoking for a period of time, be it an hour or two hours, whatever right. that period of time was for them, their mind was so agitated, they couldn't think of anything. They just kept looking around, agitated, fidgeting, saying, I need a cigarette. I need a cigarette. When will this bus trip end or when will this train stop end when I can get my hands on a cigarette again? Right. That, if you, my friends, look at somebody whose mind is agitated for whatever reason, whether it's because of desire, lust, greed, desire for a cigarette, alcohol, any of these things, you just think and focus on a mind which is disturbed like this, and you will recognize that at an extreme, what does a disturbed mind create for somebody? And that person who's agitated at that extreme, if you say, hey, could you do this thing for me? Whatever he does, if he does, is going to be a total failure because his mind isn't on it. Right. As opposed to taking the spectrum to the other side where somebody's mind is totally peaceful, you ask them to do something for you, and the result is beautiful, very powerful, very successful. Anybody looking at that person, an employer or a client or a customer, is going to say, wow, I really like dealing with this person. I like the work he does. I want him to do more work for me. So he becomes more prosperous, more successful materially and spiritually because his desires burn off. So good point, Lou. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up, that an agitated mind uh, is not able to produce as much. Right. Anything else that you want to jog my memory for? Uh, not at the moment. So then let's move on to verse number 27 in chapter 4. This verse 
really refers to one's reaction to a stimulus within the mind and intellect of the oneself. So you remember I said that we, anything that stimulates you, any stimulus from the world, first is received by your five organs of perception. Mm -hmm. Your eyes see something, your ears hear something, your nose smells something, and you say, hmm. The mind then reacts to that with a reaction, says, oh, I remember that smell. That's my favorite vegetable being cooked. Right. And then the mind immediately says, okay, let's respond to that. So what happens is, person sitting quietly in his living room chair, smells something cooking that he likes, his mind says, uh-uh, you can't sit quietly anymore. <laughs> Get up, walk over to the kitchen, puts his organs of action into place, his feet start walking towards the kitchen, the chef is no longer in the kitchen, your wife or whoever, and you say, hmm, let me try some of this. You put your, <laughs> take a spoon, take a dish, put it in there and say, okay, I'm going to eat. So what has happened is the stimulus goes in, you receive the stimulus, you react to it mentally, and then your response by walking. Right. In verse 27, this verse talks, Krishna talks about one's reaction to a stimulus within the mind and the intellect. And essentially what he's saying is that this is a subtler response and a discipline to the ones that we spoke earlier. And what we should do is the ahuti that you offer, the offering to the yagna, should be your five organs of perception. Doesn't mean you take your eyes out and put right. it in the fire. What it means is that if you are able to block yourself from looking at the stimuli or receiving those stimuli, it makes it so much easier for your mind to not be able to react to them. Therefore, you don't respond to them. So the verse is suggesting that anything one can do to block our senses, restrain our senses by blocking our ability to listen to stimulus that we find through knowledge, this is not good for us, we should do. And that helps us. In this. So in the beginning, you're restraining your senses with willpower. And then at the same time, you get knowledge to say, why should I be doing this? It's important to continue to gain knowledge, to say, why exactly am I doing this? And how do I feel? Right. Because as you restrain your senses, you will develop a greater peace of mind. I think I said in episode 49 that senses cannot go completely devoid of any stimulation. You must feed it something. You can't say, I'm going to close my eyes with a bandana across my eyes and my ears, not listen to anything, not see anything. Right. One will go crazy. So what the verses say is that one should feed it, but feed it proper stimuli. Look at things that are good for you. Um, listen to things that are non-stimulating. Um, eat food that is right. And that'll come in verse 17, or sorry, chapter 17, as to what we should eat, what we should look at, what we should uh, allow ourselves to get in terms of senses. But in the beginning, you use your willpower. And we don't want to keep hammering this same analogy, Lou, of the kids looking at the marshmallows. Yeah. But it's a good one. It is. Because these kids were told, if you don't eat this marshmallow when I leave the room and I come back five minutes later, I'll give you two 
for restraining your temptation to eat it. Right. And the same kids who were able to successfully restrain themselves from their temptation grew up and they were videotaped 20 plus years later. And they found that those people who were able to restrain their temptation were much more successful in life, in life in general, and happier than those who were not. And generally, and these saw, kids naturally just averted their eyes from the marshmallow. They just closed off right. the door of their sense organs so that they didn't start the thought process going in their minds. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you see on the video these little kids. One group was, as soon as the guy turned his back, was reached forward and grabbed the marshmallow and put it in their mouth. Yep. The second tried but kept looking at the marshmallow again and again. The senses kept directing them to it, and then they put the marshmallow in their mouth. Right. And the third... As soon as the teacher or professor or doctor said this, they just turned their head and looked a different way and did not allow themselves to look at the marshmallow so as not to get the temptation. Right. And they were able to restrain their senses. So this verse says, first do it with willpower, but at the same time gather knowledge. And as you gather knowledge, what happens is you develop what is known as the pratyahar. Pratyahar means the ability to withstand the temptations with knowledge. As knowledge meaning, what is it that, why am I doing this? Right. And if you can logically explain to yourself that the reason I'm doing this is X, Y, Z, and you can explain to yourself why this is not good for me, you're, you're much more successful at it. I think I spoke in an earlier episode about uh, at the time that the Taliban and terrorists were showing horrible videos of violence mm. on the internet. Right. I never allowed myself to look at it, but being a psychiatrist and practicing at the time, I had a number of physician colleagues of mine come to me and saying, I allowed myself to watch it. I did watch it. He says, I cannot get it out of my mind. I yeah. can't sleep at night. It's a horrible, horrible thing I allow. So once you receive that stimulus, and it reacts within yourself, don't forget, it's hardwired. It's in your hard drive right. for not just this life, but forever. I think we talked before about Prakriti, yes. about saying that everything that you've ever experienced in any one of your previous lives is always there in that hard drive, and it remains there. It may go down, but it can be retrieved at any moment. So this verse says, with knowledge, with a higher wisdom, you should allow yourself to know why I'm not looking at this. Withdraw your mind from various objects which are tempting to you. Make the mind understand through logic why you're doing it. And then do dharana, which is focusing your mind on a higher ideal. And once you do that and you say, that's my goal, the higher ideal is my goal, it makes it so much simpler, so much easier for you. Um, and then automatically your mind goes to something higher. The mind can be trained, my friends, to be absolutely still. With First, get rid of the desires. It mm. won't happen unless you do that. That you're, And then do meditation. You can say, I'm sitting quietly, but you're actually not. No. So here, the ahuti, the offering, is the functions of the organs of perception and of action. And the kindling is ultimate self-realization. The yoga of self-control arises out of wisdom. The yoga of self-control arises out of wisdom, and wisdom of the self leads to becoming one with the self. So, friends, that was verse 27.
Now comes an extremely important verse, which Lou has been waiting for for <laughs> quite some time. Well, you've been teasing is, me with it for a while. <laughs> it's something that I took out paper and pencil when I first heard about it, and I wrote down notes. And since then, I've listened to a lot of other swamis and read a lot of other interpretations of this verse. And every time I find something new. <laughs> so I would make notes, I would write things down, and I would keep reflecting on them. So here, verse 28 is one's response to the world. How do you respond once you get that stimulus? You see something, right? You, you smell something, you hear something, your mind says, oh, I know that. And now you're going to respond back to the world. What is one's response? There are four types of responses, according to verse 28. These are known as yagnyas. The first one is yagna of wealth, in Sanskrit known as dravya yagna which is the most gross of all. Therefore, each one is a little bit more subtle. All of these four categories are of service and sacrifice in these four categories. The most gross is the yoga or yagna of wealth, dravya yagna. Dravya in the olden days meant, in Sanskrit, meant grain. Today, it means wealth, cash, mm -hmm. wealth. But... We should understand that the dravya yagna, the yagna of wealth, which you're giving away as sacrifice, that's one's response back to the world, is it can be wealth in terms of cash, can be money, can be service, mm -hmm. can, be, can be your talents, can be your time. All of this, you're giving away your talent, you're giving away your time. The second is a yagna of austerity, which is known as tapo, tapo yagna, tapa. The austerity is physical, so physical work, etc., for somebody that you care for, somebody that's asking for help. And the third yagna is yagna of yoga. Yoga is not physical yoga like sitting in, um, uh, like what we know, wearing uh, Lululemon <laughs> <laughs> workout outfits and going to a yoga studio. But this is emotion and intellect, the yagna of offering yoga the ability to unite through emotion and intellect. And the last yagna is yagna of self-knowledge, which is the most subtle. The grossest was the yagna of wealth. Higher than that has the yagna of austerity. Higher than that is the yagna of yoga. And the highest is the yagna of self-knowledge, which is knowledge of the self. So let's take the first one, which is dravya yagna. Dravya, as I said, literally means grains or wealth. Mm -hmm. And the ahuti you're offering is your own wealth. Whether it be your talent, whether it be your time, whether it be your money, you're giving it to something. Right. And the recipient's, recipient, his wealth increases. You have a, there's a beggar on the street. He's got no money. Right. And you're passing by and you say, I want to give response back. I see something. I see the re reaction in my mind. I'm going to give him X many rupees or X many dollars. What has happened is you, you're that many rupees short in your pocket, but he's that many rupees wealthier. So his kindling of his wealth in his pocket is higher than yours. Right. That's the... So this yagna is meant to get rid of the stubborn stain in your vessel, which is greed, 
using your wealth. Let me repeat that. If you have a vessel that you want to wash, right? You're living, you're camping outside, or you're living in the Himalayas, and you got dirt on the inside of your of your um, vessel that you use to drink water. Mm -hmm. You can just put it in the running river as with water, and the soft dirt will come right out. You don't need to do anything else other than just use your hand. Right. But assume that you have a stain that's hard to get rid of. You've got to use something that scrubs it a scrubber, a steel wool, right. uh, Ajax, Comet, whatever. What they're saying is that wealth and its greed for wealth is your stain in your mind that prevents you from getting peace of mind. Yeah. The greed prevents you from getting peaceful. So the Gita says, calm, crowd, lobe are the three gateways to hell. Calm means lust, craving, desire. Krodh means anger. Loba means greed. These three are the three gateways to hell. What is hell? Hell doesn't mean a physical location like has burning fires and Satan with horns and a trident. Hell means constant agitation of the mind. Yeah. And what they're saying is that when you have greed, when you have lust, when you have desire, when you have anger, that agitation is so great that you will not be able to be peaceful. Those are the three gateways to that hell of constant mental agitation. Right. When you have no desires, no lust, no craving, no anger towards anybody, just pure love and no greed because you're donating, you're sacrificing, you feel peaceful, and no longer are you in hell. So to overcome love, greed, is dan. Dan is charity or donation, mm -hmm. sharing with others. At a body level, at a physical level, just donating food or cash or money is fine. Many don't want to share even their food. People would rather let it spoil than give it away. Mm. They're, they're, they just want to hold on to everything that they have. Same thing with cash or money. They'll die before they give it away to somebody else, even if it's of no use. So contrary to one's personal thinking, charity and don is supposed to be the way to be able to rid yourself of this stubborn stain of greed in your system. So don is a big chapter. And it's already been about 20, 25 minutes. So let's stop here. Let's continue with verse 28 next time. And I will be talking about where you do charity. And just listen back to it because the Gita talks at length about what is good charity, what is not good charity. Because you may think just giving money or a check to somebody right. is good enough. But it's not. You know, it's like taking... Um, uh, warm blankets and taking it to uh, the Middle East yeah. or to Africa and giving them to people. It does no good. You have to be selective in what kind of charity you do, and that's what we're going to talk about next time. So thank you very much for joining us. This is something you should reflect on. Please listen to it, reread it, write, make notes, ask questions, go to Facebook and ask me questions. I'd be happy to discuss it with you. Thank you so much for watching.